wrestling fans, you're listening to Wrestling with Johnners. Here's your host, John Scott. What's up everybody and welcome to another episode of Wrestling with Johnners. This is episode 75. It's a bit of a landmark episode getting to your 75th episode but we've made it and we're nearly approaching our first uh, anniversary, our first year birthday so uh, I'll talk to you more about that a bit later on. But today uh, is our episode 75. We're going to be covering uh, the usual NXT, NXT UK and AEW Dynamite. So a lot of action to cover and we've got a special guest host to cover all that with and I'll introduce that special guest host very, very soon. Just to cover off as I like to every single week with our uh, social media plugs where you can get in touch with us. On Twitter, of course, you can find us on Twitter at withjohnners underscore pod. That's at withjohnners underscore pod. We're on Instagram as well, so go and search for us. That's instagram.com forward slash wrestling with Johnners and go ahead and search our uh, fun, interactive, friendly Facebook community page. Just search Wrestling with Johnners, and that's Johnners spelled J O H N E R S. And of course, if you enjoy listening to this podcast, please don't forget to hit subscribe uh, so that you can be notified every time a new episode drops. Uh, I believe that this is the only podcast uh, for all of your NXT, NXT UK and AEW needs on a weekly basis. We cover a lot of um, all round pro wrestling. So we do occasionally dip into uh, progress. Uh, we cover um, New Japan, of course. We do uh, WWE pay-per-view reviews and now AEW pay-per-view reviews and, of course, exclusive interviews. Uh, you may have seen uh, my interview with a uh, former WWF and AEW and WCW ring announcer Gary Michael Capetta, which dropped last weekend. You can catch it on YouTube where you've got the, the full video stream of our interview or on any uh, popular podcast platform where you can see me speaking to uh, uh, or listen to me speaking to Gary for just over an hour about his uh, uh, 40 year plus career in the wrestling business. Um, so, yeah, spread the word, tell your friends and tell your family about the Wrestling with Jonas podcast and uh, yeah, hit subscribe so you don't miss out on a single episode. So, over to my guest for this uh, landmark edition, the 75th episode of Wrestling with Jonas. Um, I want to introduce uh, a fellow podcaster and uh, very, very active on social media. Um, especially Twitter and uh, that's where I came across uh, my, my next guest host and uh, that's uh, Josh Robinson so uh, Josh uh, good morning or good evening where you are over in Australia how are you sir I am doing wonderful thank you for having me of course you're very very welcome it's uh, a pleasure to have you on board it's always good to have fellow podcasters on the show um it's always kind of good to get uh, a fresh opinion on things as well on uh, all things uh, wrestling related um, so uh, uh, thank you for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. But first of all, you, you, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, you are kind of an active podcaster. You do uh, quite a bit of podcasts. You've got two shows, I understand, the, the Josh Robinson Show and uh, Wrestling Reverb, um, all, kind of big, big successes, and uh, they do very well. But to tell me a little bit about your podcasting career, how long you've been doing podcasting for, and uh, what, what kind of initiated uh, or kick-started your, your podcasting career, and why, do, why you, did, are, you, are you doing two shows? shows then Josh that sounds a madness to me I struggled to do one <laughs> let alone two <laughs> well so we'll, we'll rewind here and we'll go why I kind of started podcasting because mm. I, I don't know I, I live in a fairly small town so there isn't a lot of wrestling fans around me other than you know the few that I have but I was just kind of like 
I need to get some wrestling opinions just off my chest. So for the start of it, it was just, I just want to get this off of me so it can just kind of fly into the, into the air. And I'm like, I can talk. I'm a good talker. I can talk for hours and hours on end. So <laughs> let's start a podcast. So that's how I kind of started it. And then it just kind of, I don't know, it just kind of evolved and, you know, gained a little bit of traction. And I'm like, okay, this is something I can probably do more so often. And then I realized I have other interests. So I started the Josh Robinson show, which is outside of wrestling. And I guess here we are now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And how long have you been podcasting for Josh? Um, I started last June. So last year, last year, wow. so a year and a bit, year and a half, however long that is. I'm terrible yeah. at math. That's why I do podcasting. No, that's, that's great. That's great. Uh, so so I, I like to ask all of my guest hosts, especially when they're um, a first-timer on the Wrestling With Jonas podcast, about their, their kind of wrestling uh, fandom, their love for professional wrestling. Uh, how were you introduced to professional wrestling and uh, or how did you stumble across it, like uh, a lot of us do, um, in order to get you hooked uh, on, the, on the fine sport that we love? So um, I know I was watching earlier than this. It's It's... I, I was watching since I was very young. I have an older brother who's like six, seven years older than me. So he was watching with my dad and I knew I was watching a little bit earlier than when I vividly remember. But the first kind of memory that I always vividly like have sitting down at a, at a couch and watching wrestling was Stephanie McMahon going for the Undisputed Championship against Chris Jericho and Triple H on an episode of Raw in like 2002. It was the night after WrestleMania 18. Yep. I remember that match just sitting there watching it, but I'd been told by my brother that I used to love gold dust when I was a kid. So that was like my first favorite th person was gold dust. So, but that's what I can really remember is the really a lot of people, it's like post attitude era. So I kind of grew up in the ruthless aggression era, you would say. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, uh, what sort of promotions do you follow now? Do you get a chance to um, see any wrestling? I know that WWE, they were touring uh, Australia a few nights ago. They had uh, four nights in Australia. They, they sold out every single show. It looks uh, impressive, certainly with the pictures that I saw. But uh, uh, do you get a chance to see much wrestling? Do you get many uh, international groups that uh, come over to your, your country? Or do you get any uh, local groups, any local promotions which you get a chance to see, Josh? Um, so I live in South Australia, which is a, a city called, I near, live near Adelaide, which I don't know if you know that, or I don't know if someone will know that surely. But they have a uh, promotion called Riot City Wrestling that's based in Adelaide that I get to go to infrequently yeah. way i would love to go way more than i do it's just of course finding the time but um wwe come like once a year i've been i went to the super showdown last year in, in ah, melbourne and that was wow. fantastic and yeah um but other than that wwe only bring live events here so it's only been in the last few years since i've been you know a little bit older and i'm like okay i'm gonna they don't really come to adelaide very often wwe so i have to fly to melbourne or sydney or something like that um but yeah i was i went to the super showdown and that was fantastic the first pay-per-view that you know you, when you're a kid you're like i want to be a part of wwe on television or whatever yeah. promotion and getting the chance to be a part of that was pretty cool that was a hell of a show as well and uh some, yeah. some good highlights i know that uh, buddy murphy won his cruiserweight championship there mm -hmm. i think uh, the iconics uh, wrestled um i don't know if they were tag team champions at the time they possibly were no, they but, weren't uh, no they weren't but uh, some memorable no. moments for uh, for yeah. your fellow countrymen and uh yeah i mean you, you've got um a few Aussies doing well uh, on the WWF yeah. uh, roster at the moment, but uh, and uh, who are some of your your favourite wrestlers that you like to follow? Uh, have you got like a long term favourite, or do your favourites yeah. change? Who, who who do you like so, currently, and who have you always liked? I suppose. So my all time favourite is Chris Jericho. He's my all time favourite. I just the way that man reinvents himself just within. Like, he's been going for a long time, um, and I just love Chris Jericho from. The time I first seen him to now, he's just great. Um, so he's my all-time favorite. But 
this may, I don't know, well, some people like kind of laugh at me when I say this, but my, my second favorite of all time is Molly Holly. Okay. I love Molly Holly. She, I don't know, not much as a kid, more of I've gotten older. I've just really, because I appreciate the, the art of wrestling a little bit more. Molly Holly is a fantastic pro wrestler. She was awesome. Um, yeah. I, I, I love, um, I love Cody. Cody Rhodes is great now. Um, I love Cody. Uh, Rhea Ripley, obviously being from Adelaide, yeah. I've got to support my fellow Adelaidean, <laughs> but Rhea Ripley is fantastic. She did great stuff on NXT UK and now coming yeah. over to NXT. Um, Indeed. but I mean, I could list a lot of people, but Jericho, Ripley, um, Becky, it's hard not to say Becky, but, um, just, yeah, I just, I just, I just love wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> There's not really anyone that I really just genuinely hate. I just love wrestling and I just love to experience it in so many wrestling. So weird. It's got so many different styles and whatever you kind of gravitate to is like cool with me. Um, I don't know. I just love wrestling. <laughs> yeah, same here. I, I don't have uh, any one favourite. I suppose all time it has to be uh, for me uh, Daniel Bryan purely because of uh, uh, that Ronnie had in uh, 2013 going into 2014 in the WrestleMania there, and uh, that just really. I mean, I was always a big fan of Daniel Bryan. I only came across him when he uh, was in the very first uh, series of NXT back in yeah, 2010 when it was a, when it was a kind of a game show. I wasn't fully familiar with it i'd probably read about him in magazines but i uh, wasn't familiar with uh uh with, with daniel bryan from ring of honor and all the indie mm. uh, circuit but um from when he came on as that uh, lovable underdog and uh, the, you know that that wrestler that you just couldn't quite get over but everybody wanted him to uh, from 2010 onwards um, but uh, otherwise I've always been a massive fan of Ric Flair for those of you that have listened to his podcast for a long time know that Ric Flair um, I was sold on him pretty much from when uh, I started getting into wrestling around uh, 1991 1992 um, he, he hasn't aged very well I've got to be honest with you and uh, he does go on some uh, some uh, rambling tirades when he's given a live, live mic as <laughs> on uh, Raw this week uh, so I don't think they'll be giving him a live mic too often going forward but uh, mm. I do love uh, Ric Flair um, I, I suppose I like him because he's, he's, he's partly crazy as well so it does um, yeah it is kind of nice me. he's, he's uh, kind of a little bit crazy and I, he's I a little bit out there. that a lot Definitely, definitely. So we're going to talk about uh, AEW, NXT UK and NXT. So we've got a lot of wrestling to go through, but it's going to be kind of just uh, uh, high spots. It's going to be snapshots and highlights from uh, each of the matches. And uh, yeah, we're going to get your thoughts, if that's all right, Josh. Of course. Superb. So we start with uh, AEW. So... Last week, uh, we covered AEW Dynamite uh, with uh, Ashley Clements. We covered it uh, two weeks before that, uh, which was its debut episode. So this is week four of AEW Dynamite and week four of them going head to head with NXT. NXT being on uh, USA Network, uh, AEW being on TNT in their fourth week, of course. And the first match was uh, a semi-final in the AEW Tag Team Tournament. And uh, it, it pitted uh, Private Party, who had that uh, excellent match in the first round of the Tag Team Tournament against the Young Bucks a couple of weeks ago, going up against the Lucha Brothers. So some highlights from this match um there was a huge sent on from Isaiah Cassidy onto Ray Phoenix uh, from the top turnbuckle to the outside, getting Cassidy, uh, getting, getting Cassidy a huge amount of hang time. That guy it reminds me a lot of uh, Montez Ford with the hang time that that guy gets. Uh, we then saw a brilliant 450 splash from uh, Cassidy again for another two count, this time on Pentagon. Um, there's a double springboard, double foot stomp from uh, Ray Phoenix onto Isaiah Cassidy and another double springboard, this time into a moonsault uh, onto the outside from Phoenix this time. Uh, Mark Quinn then gets in on the action uh, with a dive through the ropes and uh, kind of a, a moonsault off the second uh, rope into uh, and, then, and then into a Jaeger bomb for a two count. Uh, the fans are biting on every single near fall here uh, and uh, Isaiah Cassidy uh, impressed again with a shooting star press. The end of the match came uh, on around about the 14 minute mark. 
from an assisted package pile driver with Penta getting the pinfall on Isaiah Cassidy in a bit of pretty fine match. Uh, but without saying it too controversial, I didn't enjoy this match as much as I did Private Party's match with the Young Bucks, to be honest with you. In my opinion, the match didn't flow as smooth uh, when the Private Party were in the ring. Uh, however, when the Lucha Brothers were in the ring, I felt that the match uh, did flow a lot better when they were on the offense. Uh, I'm not sure if it's down to Private Party's inexperience. However, the Lucha Brothers were uh, clearly the better team of the two in this match. It did turn into a very enjoyable match, however, uh, thanks mostly to the experience and the ability of Penta and Ray Phoenix, who never failed to impress. And uh, with the Lucha Brothers going through to the final of the AEW Tag Team Tournament to crown the first ever Tag Team Champions. So uh, I I don't know if I'm being too hard on Private Party here, Josh, but it was a good match. Uh, Definitely not a great match or anywhere near as good as their match with the Bucks in the first round. But uh, I'd love to know your thoughts on this one. Yeah, so um, the AEW Tag Division is great let's like it is really really good i agree with you the match with the young bucks was a lot better it just like you said it flowed a lot better it was a little bit more smooth this one do you know when you watch a a, especially like this matches i guess not just in AEW, just a lot they have a lot of high spots so they kind of just go through the motions this one felt like it was going through the motions instead of just kind of just easing on through it just felt like we were going to spot to spot to spot it was still fun it was still a fun match um, I like Private Party. I don't know if I love Private Party, but I like them. Yeah. I love the Lucha Brothers. They're great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I do like Private Party. I, <clears throat> I was uh, kind of sold on them, certainly after the match with the Young Bucks. But uh, as you said, this match kind of just seemed a bit paint by numbers, to be honest with you. It mm-hmm. kind of just went from one move to another to another without there being any real story. And um, I felt that uh, when the Lucha Brothers were on the offense, I felt that it was uh, a much more exciting match. But uh, we see the Lucha Brothers go through to the final and the second semi-final comes up very soon. Uh, we then get a recap from uh, last week's attack on SCU by the Lucha Brothers, culminating in Pentagon pole driving Christopher Daniels into the into the rampway uh, that will keep uh, Daniels out of action for up to six weeks. I think they said on commentary with Scorpio Sky taking Christopher Daniels' place in the semi-final encounter against the Dark Order. And uh, looking into that match now, so SCU semi-final tag team uh, match against the Dark Order. The Dark Order uh, they came out with their minions as they like to every single match. Uh, now the Dark Order got a, a buy into the semi-finals, so we've not seen an awful lot of the Dark Order. Um, I think they uh, won a, a qualifying match at the last pay-per-view all out uh, to get a buy through to the semi-final uh, hence this match uh, tonight uh, but then early into the match uh, we, we had an appearance from uh, Le Champion uh, and the inner circle they came out through the crowd to take their seats in their in their private box we'll see more from them a bit later on uh, in this match uh, Kazarian hits a Northern Knight suplex for a two count Evil Uno gets a, a close near fall from an assisted powerbomb uh, Scorpio Sky and Kazarian uh, they each perform slingshot cutters transitioning nicely into double dragon sleepers on both Evil Ono and uh, Grayson. Grayson then performs a Hurricane Rana after using Evil Ono and Scorpio Sky as stepping stones and kind of walking across them across the ring before hitting his Hurricane Rana uh, before delivering a huge somersault sent on clean over the ring post a la Ricochet. We've seen Ricochet do that a few times, nailing Kazarian on the outside. Uh, Kazarian connects with a slingshot DDT on Grayson, then another DDT on Evil Ono on the ring apron. That looks pretty painful. Uh, Scorpio Sky and Kazarian, they combine really well at the end of the match or for the end of the match, delivering their SCU later, which is like a gory stretch into a knee strike for the win, allowing SEU to progress to the final of the tag team tournament to face their storyline enemies, the Lucha Bros. 
uh, with that match taking place on next week's AEW Dynamite, I understand. So that was a really good match. I think a step up from uh, match number one that we saw. Uh, I really enjoyed this one. Uh, this one was uh, one of my first exposures to the Dark Order, if I'm honest. So they impressed me quite a lot, especially Grayson in particular with his uh, stepping stone, uh, Hurricane Rana, and then his somersault sent on over the ring post. However, SCU, they combined well with some big moves and an impressive win to progress to the finals. Uh, what did you think of this one then, Josh? Yeah, um, I don't know. There's something not clicking for me with the Dark Order. They're very polarizing, as you've probably seen on the internet. True. And people either love them or they hate them. And I don't know. I'm floating in between. Again, like you, I haven't had a lot of exposure to them. Only from what we've seen, whatever we've seen of them, they got a buy. So this is really the first time I've really seen them wrestle properly, like a, a two-on-two match. Um, I love SCU. They're fun. I was kind of surprised to see them win, though. I thought we are going to see Dark Order... I actually kind of picked Dark Order to win the whole tournament, mm-hmm. which I guess is probably silly of me now. But um, yeah, I like the match. I didn't, I don't know. I, something didn't click for me here. I don't know what it was. The match was fine. It just something, something didn't strike me right. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there were some memorable moments from the match, and uh, certainly, I think, you know, Grayson certainly made a name for himself with with his yeah. uh, uh, with his moves. Um, Eva Lono, probably not so much, but maybe he's got a move set that we're not uh, familiar with yet. I like their finish, their, their, yeah, their yeah, glory they, bomb thing. That's cool. I like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, it makes sense to have SCU in the final going up against yeah. Lucha Brothers, especially with what happened um, uh, last week, or, yeah, it was last week, I believe, yeah. when uh, they attacked SCU on the rampway before their match with Ben friends and Scorpio Sky had to step in um, so it does make sense storyline I think it, it sets it up because you've got a story there going into the final between these two yeah. teams so it's going to be a hell of a match now, I'm pretty sure they said that the final was going to take place next week on Dynamite, although I thought they might have held off until full gear. But uh, I think yeah. possibly to draw people to the TV show and to uh, boost their yeah. numbers, uh, I think they are showing it on next week's show. So that will be a uh, really good uh, rating. That will be I'll, good. I'll, I'll certainly That'd be, be watching that one. I think that will <laughs> that one uh, could well be a, a main event match or certainly deserving of a yeah. main event spot if they decide to put it on last. But, uh, yeah, I understand what you're, what you're talking about with the Dark Order. And I... I was quite surprised that they got the loss here, mainly because they seem to be getting a little bit of a push having been been given the buy in the first mm. place. You would have thought, well, what's the point of giving them a buy only to kind of knock them out on their first match? Um, you would have thought they would have got the buy in order to kind of progress to the final at the very least and have a second match in the tournament. It just seemed a little bit weird on that. But uh, there we go. I suppose when you look at uh, the two teams in the final, it does all make sense at the end of the day. Oh, yeah, it, make, it all makes sense in the end. But yeah, I don't know. Again, Dark Order are very polarizing. I don't know how to really, I don't don't know where to fit with them. Do I like them or do I not like them? Floating in the middle. <laughs> yeah, well, I know um, Ash Crawford, who usually helps to uh, cover AEW on the uh, Wrestling Majonas podcast. He's a massive fan of the Dark Order. I think he was uh, exposed to a lot of their stuff in Canada. And I think, of course, for uh, various passport issues, they weren't able to wrestle in the United States until uh, they, they'd signed with AEW and things were cleared up uh, from their passport standpoint. So that's where a lot more people are getting more exposed to them on an international front. Prior to that, they were kind of uh, mostly wrestling around Canada and making a bit of a name for themselves there. Um, I, I can't remember exactly what they were called, but uh, they're quite a unique tag team name. But I know uh, Ash was a big fan of them, and I'm sure he's disappointed they've gone out. But uh, going yeah. into match number three then, Josh. So um, this was an interesting match. Kenny Omega versus uh, bad boy Joey Janela. So uh, I'm assuming you, you, you're probably a fan of uh, Kenny Omega, but what's your feelings on uh, Joey Janela then, Josh? Um, I don't know if I'm a huge fan of Kenny. I, I feel like I am, but I feel like I'm not a biggest fan as the rest of the world is. Yeah. I don't know. 
He's good, but I don't think he's as great as what everyone says. And that gets me – I've said that to so many people, and they're like, oh, my God, what? And I'm like, I know, I know. He's very good, though. Um, Joey, I like Joey. Something strikes with me with Joey where I'm just like, <laughs> I really like you. He's, he's got this – he's kind of this, like, this oddball be, like, kind of endearing in a way. Yeah. I don't know why I find him that way, but I don't know. He's very, like, one of us. Yeah. He's, you know what I mean? He's, he's very like guy next door, if you will. Um, but I like Joey. I think Joey's fun. I think Joey's takes a great beating. <laughs> yeah, I, I completely agree with you there. I mean, with regards to Kenny, I've got similar sentiments, to be honest with you. I mean, he's, he's had some uh, six-star matches in Japan, yeah. uh, but I don't think he's had that, uh, you know, five-star or six-star match um, in, in the US yet, or certainly not, not that I've seen. So I think he, we're waiting for him to have that groundbreaking mm. moment or a groundbreaking match I, I really um, in the US. I really want to like him. I'm like, I really want to love you, but there's something that is just like, Everyone's telling me how fantastic you are, and you're very good, but I'm just like, what am I not seeing here? <laughs> yeah, a little, a little very similar to my feelings towards uh, Seth Rollins, to be honest with you. I know they're both excellent wrestlers, but I can't quite click with either of them at the moment. Yeah. Uh, Joey Janela, on the other hand, I totally agree with you. I think he's he's, he's not got the, the kind of the superstar six-pack. He's not he's not uh, built like a, a Greek goddess. He just looks like the, the guy next door, and he can take out of a punishment. And when he does take out of a punishment, you kind of feel a bit sorry for him as well. So I think yeah. that's quite... He has them <laughs> endearing qualities. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I, I do like Joey Janela. But uh, in this one, uh, Omega nails uh, Janela early with a Pascada uh, to, to to the outside, which is like a kind of a, a tope, I suppose. Uh, Janela then uh, gets his own back with a huge flying crossbody from the top turnbuckle onto Kenny Omega on the outside onto the floor. Omega performs a tope con hero. Uh, then Omega delivers her two snapdragon suplexes before Janela uh, gets one back, uh, nailing Omega, Omega with a German suplex this time uh, into the bottom turnbuckle before hitting a top rope elbow drop a la Macho Man. So that was good to see. Um, Kenny Omega gets a close to a fall from a running knee. Janela ducks a V trigger to deliver a brain buster. However, Janela misses a senton from the top turnbuckle, landing hard on the ring apron, allowing Omega to strike with a V trigger and then hit his one winged angel for the pinfall victory. In this fast paced match, uh, I thought it was hard hitting, very competitive. Uh, now, now, these two had a tremendous match on AEW Dark uh, a couple of weeks ago. I don't know if you saw that, Josh. That was a really I good did. match. And this was fantastic. another really good match between these two. So, uh, uh, but Janela, uh, although he lost, he put in a really good shift, I felt, mm-hmm. and uh, a win for Kenny Omega. So, getting a couple of wins under his belt after a couple of losses on AEW but uh, give us your thoughts on this one I thought it was quite an entertaining match it was really good and everything that you just said is 100% I just agree with but all I can think about is the sell on the V trigger at the end yeah. wow that was like out <laughs> of this world that's that I can I can honestly wouldn't even be able to tell you everything else that happened in the match because I'm just like that sell was just like I can't even describe it. It was fantastic. <laughs> it's going to make a, a very popular gif, I'm sure. But yes. uh, that was a really good match. Uh, then we get an interview in the ring with uh, Cody and uh, his longtime friend, Tony Schiavone. Uh, but uh, uh, Cody and Tony are rudely interrupted by the inner circle who were who still up in their private box, of course, setting, up air ho- setting off air horns and uh, loud cries or boos towards Cody. Uh, Cody threatens to kickstart their fight, his fight between uh, himself and Jericho. 
uh, Jericho calls Cody a coward and an entitled millennial little bitch. Uh, so uh, Jericho with another one-liner um, there. Um, th- that causes Cody to hop the railings or start to hop the railings when he's reminded that uh, by Jericho that uh, he is way outnumbered. Uh, just then we get the music of uh, Cody's brother Dustin Rhodes. Uh, then MJF makes his entrance uh, to help even things up a little bit before WWE Hall of Famer DDP comes out, makes his entrance. And when DDP's music starts, the play erupts um so that was a kind of an unexpected um uh, entrance for for the fans in attendance there then all four baby faces hop the railings to approach the inner circle as the heel faction uh, uh, retreat backstage uh, we then see jericho and uh, and the inner circle inside a locked room that was until cody puts his hand through the glass door uh, to start an all-out brawl between both groups backstage through the concourse area uh, through the concessions area cody cody even grabs the fans crutch uh, before uh, kind of using it to uh, hit jericho over the head and uh, jericho was kind of selling uh, that uh, crutch shot uh, quite a bit after Afterwards, he seemed to have a bit of a mark on his face. So that was a really fun segment, Josh. Uh, and uh, just then I thought we were going to get uh, kind of quite a, a wrestling heavy episode of Dynamite. And then we get this awesome segment to break things up and a brawl between the Inner Circle and Cody's faction, uh, which included uh, Dustin Rhodes, MJF and DDP, of course. So that was a fun little segment. And as I just alluded to, it was quite a, a wrestling heavy start. I think we had a bit of a, mm. a, a my, my feed on um, Fight TV went straight into the first match. There was no kind of um, uh, kind of opening package. So we had yeah. wrestling match after wrestling match. But then uh, I, I was quite um, uh, relieved and pleasantly surprised to see mm-hmm. this uh, little angle go on here to help build up Cody's match with uh, Chris Jericho in a couple of weeks time at full gear uh, give us your thoughts on this segment it was uh, quite a lot of fun yeah um so I haven't I've kind of made it known I, I haven't been like the I wouldn't say the biggest fan that's not the right word I'm a fan of AEW but I don't love AEW because it is very wrestling heavy I like my kind of wrestling show to be broken up by segments a little bit just so I can have a little bit of a breather if you see too many you know, you can see a lot of good wrestling matches, but if you see too many in a row, it just kind of all rolls into one. And I just, yeah. I just need to like take a sip of water, you know, just kind of chill and, and watch and let, let this show flow a little bit better. So more of this in AEW and I'll be all hands on deck with it. But I thought this yeah. segment was, honestly, I thought this segment was just perfectly done. That's how you should do these kind of segments. And I was just like, all eyes on, all, all eyes on the screen for that one. I, I obviously watched it on fight as well. So it was the same for me. So, um, yeah, I just was loving every minute of this segment Jericho it just reminds me how good Jericho really is because I don't know even your favorites you kind of go through and you're like is he losing his touch is he this he's getting older you know um but then he does something like this and I'm like I love you I like the inner circle so that was a really fun segment everything just meshed perfectly yeah I mean I've said time and time again that Chris Jericho is uh, definitely the best heel in the business at the moment and, and possibly the yeah. best character um, in, in the world at the moment. And uh, I think yeah. that with his, um, his uh, kind of resurgence with with kind of this new latest uh, Judas type uh, gimmick in AEW and, and uh, the, the character that he's playing. And uh, I just think he's he's really pulling on all of his strengths, to be honest with you. He yeah. knows that his wrestling ability isn't the same as what it was uh, yeah. 10, 15, 20 years ago. 
so he, he's playing more in his character, he's playing more in his mic skills and his interaction with the fans and uh, the way that he kind of uh, has has like a, a verbal sparring battles with his opponents in the ring. So all of that is good fun. And here he played the kind of a, the chicken shit heel. He, he was the cocky heel up until the others turned up. And then he played the chicken shit heel where they retreated backstage. And uh, I thought the segment where uh, Cody put his hand through the, the glass door was pretty effective. using MJF's uh, scarf as a little bit of a, a glove there to protect his hand. And then the brawl afterwards was pretty good. But... Uh, yeah, I think that, um, I mean, last week we had that excellent video package uh, showing uh, Cody, the more vulnerable Cody, uh, kind of gearing up towards uh, his battle with Jericho at full gear. That was an excellent video package, probably yeah. some of, some of the, the best uh, footage um, of anything else that played out last week. Um, and this week, uh, another good angle. So uh, we're really shaping up and it kind of making you care a little bit more and look, look forward to yeah. their match at full gear. So I'm looking forward to their match. Um, it'll be uh, two weeks today, I think. So, uh, yeah. yeah, so um, uh, full gear, uh, we'll probably talk more about that. But um, is it something that you're going to purchase? or um, you're oh, looking yeah. forward to in particular there's a few matches that have already been announced of course Josh yeah I'm looking forward to it I always look forward to I don't know I think I'm just wired to look forward to look forward to wrestling pay-per-views now I just kind of go okay it's just another one whether whatever the promotion is I'm just kind of like yeah okay cool I'm gonna watch this but I wasn't excited for Jericho and Cody when it first was kind of you know announced I was like eh, cool um, but now after the last couple of weeks I'm like yep okay it, it is very old fashioned to say selling a pay-per-view on a main event, but it is, it is selling this pay-per-view for me on a main event. I'll buy it either way, whether the cards got nothing I'm really interested in or everything's interesting, but the main event selling it for me, which is, I don't know. Is that an yeah. old school way of thinking? Maybe, but <laughs> yeah, it's doing the same for me as well. To be honest with you, I'm definitely up for that one. And, uh, um, I think the, the the crowd are going to be fever pitch for that match on the night, and uh, we yeah. should get a good match as well. Um, but so then we get into uh, another match now. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I think this is our third tag match of the show, uh, and yes. I think this is only our third match of the show as well. But um, yeah, <laughs> uh, but best friends versus the Young Bucks. So we spoke briefly about the Young Bucks earlier in their fantastic match against Private Party in the first round of the tag team tournament both of these two teams no longer a part of that tournament um but uh, the best friends were accompanied to the ring by none other than the laziest player in the game orange cassidy who performs a pair of vicious shin kicks to both <laughs> nick and matt jackson uh that, that was uh, uh that was until cassidy gets super kicked out of the ring by both of the bucks uh both friends work well to, uh, both best friends work well together in the early going with a doomsday doomsday knee onto the box on the outside. Uh, Chuck Taylor gets a close near fall from a sit-out powerbomb. Beretta connects with an avalanche German suplex before both uh, best friends deliver their soul food half-and-a-half suplex combination. Uh, so a nice little bit of action there. Chucky e. T and Beretta give the fans exactly what they want, and that was a heartwarming hug uh, from the best friends there. But uh, Before Orange Cassidy gets in on the act, launching himself off the top turnbuckle onto the box down on the floor. But, uh, of course, it wouldn't be Orange Cassidy without um, his hands being in his pockets, of course, oh, as yes. you would expect from <laughs> Orange Cassidy. Uh, Chuck and Trent go for a second Doomsday Knee. However, Nick manages to land on his feet. Uh, setting up a super kick party for the Bucks. Uh, the match comes to an end after a, a more bang for your buck, uh, which is like a 450 splash moonsault combination to a rousing reception from the fans as the Young Bucks prevail. So after the match, uh, Matt Jackson gets on the mic to call out Santana and Ortiz, telling the former LAX that they accept their challenge from last week for a match at full gear. So Josh, uh, this was a, a fun match uh, with a little yeah. bit of involvement from, uh, from Orange Cassidy, our third match of the night, probably the best match of the night so far in my opinion however the big news coming out of the match was that the bucks accepted jericho's challenge from last week for a match against santana and ortiz on november the 9th at full gear so give us your thoughts on this match 
and uh, your thoughts on uh, the Bucks facing the former LAX in a couple of weeks' time at uh, the pay-per-view full gear. Well, to answer the latter, that is going to be really, really fun because, yeah. I mean, even on paper, you can see that that's going to be just great. So I don't really have too much to add to that because it's just going to be really, really fun. Um, but for the match itself... I am a huge Orange Cassidy fan. <laughs> I love Orange Cassidy. I'm a fan, yeah. like, some of the stuff that I love most in wrestling is the silly stuff. Yeah. I really, I've always gravitated towards just the silliness of wrestling, because wrestling is very silly in so many ways, but it's yeah. fun. And that's just, he just, is just pure fun to me, because it's, it's not like he's very original. There's not really anyone doing what he's doing. Um, Again, he's a very polarizing person because some people <laughs> cannot stand him. Some people think he's, you know, quote unquote, ruining the business and other people just love him. I'm definitely in in, in that half. I absolutely love him. So the little super kicks and the, the dive with his hands in his pocket, just, <laughs> it's just great to me. So I really like the match, though. The perfect word to use for this match is just it was a fun match. Yeah, it really was. It really was. And I agree with you about Orange Cassidy. It wasn't sold him to start off with. I mean, my first exposure to him was at the Casino Battle Royal at Double or Nothing in May. So I hadn't really seen or heard much about him before then. Maybe it's because uh, I don't have time to see as much indie wrestling as I would like. Yeah. But uh, since then, I've kept my eye on Orange Cassidy and... Um, He's definitely an interesting character. There's nobody like him uh, out there. No. Um, and uh, yeah, like I say, he likes to do everything in a very relaxed, slow uh, manner. And uh, but 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 when the when the pressure's on, when the match gets warmed up, I heard that he does turn it up a couple of notches, and he has yeah. got uh, he has got some interesting moves and uh, some uh, high flying spots in his arsenal as well. So uh, when Orange Cassidy gets his official debut on AEW, whenever that might be, I'm sure we'll see a bit more of him. But uh, yeah. I think these little cameo appearances are, are there to kind of introduces to Orange Cassidy I think that um the people behind the scenes kind of like yeah. orange and uh, like him as a little bit of a, a, a bit of light relief, bit of a comedy, a bit of a sprinkle, a comedy just relief. like a little bit of seasoning on top of the show, to be honest. <laughs> Absolutely. It, as you said earlier, sometimes it could be too uh, wrestling heavy and then these kind of comedy spots mm -hmm. or segments and angles certainly help to break things up. And it certainly did in uh, this instance. Uh, on to our next match, uh, Jamie Hayter. So uh, from Southampton over here in the UK, who's uh, done a lot of wrestling for stardom over in Japan, going up against Britt Baker. So we've seen a lot of Britt Baker on uh, recently. Yeah. episodes of, uh, of Dynamite. Um, hopefully it's not uh, too much exposure. Uh, she uh, had a match with uh, Rihu for the AEW Women's Championship on last week's episode of Dynamite and uh, lost that match. And I said in last week's episode of the Wrestling with Jonas podcast, I was surprised that she got uh, a title match so soon um, after mm. Rihu kind of uh, won the title. I was expecting if, if Britt Baker was going to get a championship opportunity that he might hold off until pay-per-view considering how they've been building. Uh, Britt Baker is kind of this big star of the women's division in yeah. AEW, but uh, they kind of blew it off with a championship match last week. But here she is uh, against uh, UK's own Jamie Hayter. So, um, uh, so, so uh, in this match, uh, Baker turns a sleeper hold into a fallaway slam before getting a two count from a sling blade. Uh, Jamie Hayter gets a two count from from a Michinoku driver and a second two count from a running knee. There's a, a suplex off the second turnbuckle from Baker before Hayter delivers a urinage and a huge lariat for a two count. Uh, Baker connects with a super kick, a cutter and a swinging net breaker for another close near fall. Uh, Baker delivers uh, one more super kick before applying her lock jaw submission for a, a decent win in this uh, pretty good match. Um, I, I I was uh, 
I wasn't too impressed with uh, Britt Baker's match from last week, but a lot more impressed with her match this week. However, um, in my opinion, this was an excellent debut showing for Jamie Hayter. Um, kind of, I, I thought that she looked good even coming out on the losing end. And um, yeah, a, a kind of a, a good first impression for her. She kind of looks like she you know, has a good character. She was kind of uh, giving some verbal jousting to the fans on her way to the ring. So she kind of can handle herself on that front. And I felt she handled herself very well in the ring as well. But yep. give us your thoughts on this one. Um, so Britt Baker is someone that obviously was, I, she was the first, correct me if I'm wrong, but she was the first AW women's sign signee, correct. um, back yeah. in January, whenever it was March, whenever it was. Mm. So to me, I hadn't really seen, I've heard of Britt, but I hadn't really seen too much of her work before AW. Um, so she come in with a lot of hype and I'm going to be completely honest to me. She's kind of a little bit of a letdown to me. I don't know. There was so much hype behind her and we've seen her. I've seen her enough to kind of go, okay, I can kind of, if I like you or not, I think I would like you by now. Mm -hmm. I'm not really feeling it with Brit. I feel like there's other talent that needs to shine through. And the women's division in AEW is a little iffy. I don't know. There's not a lot of depth um, outside of the, you know, three or four that are really, really good. And then there's not a lot of depth of the division. I think that's pretty universally agreed upon. Um, But yeah, I don't know. Brit, this showing is probably the best that Brit's looked um, with Jamie, to be honest. But I don't know. I, I like Jamie. She had a great showing, even in a loss. She did yeah. have a really good showing. It was a good debut, good way to introduce her if she's going to be around a little bit more. But yeah, I don't know. Something with Brit to me, just, I don't know. She's just, there was a lot of hype behind her. And I, I don't necessarily, in my eyes, think she's lived up to it. Yeah, I, I, I'm in the same camp, to be honest with you. I, I think that she's not quite lived up to the hype. I don't think she's shown us anything too special in the ring so far. I know yeah. it's early it's early days, but um, like I said, I was, I was a little bit disappointed in her match with Rihu from last week, considering mm. um, how I felt the Rihu's championship match with Nyla Rose to be the first women's champion. I thought that was a really fun match. I really enjoyed that. And I think they should do a bit more with Nyla Rose. I think she's a, a, a unique character. Yeah. She's got a unique look, uh, some, some really good moves for for a bigger female wrestler um and i, I really like, like to see a lot yeah. more oh big time I, I'm, I'm a huge fan of hers and uh, that, battle royal that she was in the casino battle royal because yeah. I, I was like yeah nyla's pretty good and then when that battle royal happened i'm like okay nyla's really good she's turning it up and then i thought i honestly thought she'd be the first aw women's champ i didn't think they were gonna go with reho but they did not a complaint i like reho too um but yeah um i'm really impressed with nyla i really hope they they you know the powers that be you know, see that because I think she's very, very good. Yeah, yeah, and uh, like I say, I'd like to see a lot more from uh, from Nyla Rose, but uh, it's early days with regards to, yeah, to Baker. Um, but um, I think she had a better performance, as we both explained uh, th- this week um, against uh, Jamie Hayter, um, and it'll be interesting to see how they book her going forward. Because, like I say, I, I felt that her title shot last week came a bit too soon. Uh, I would have liked to have seen maybe a bit more of a build towards her first championship match. So it'll be interesting to see how they get her, how she they get her involved in the title picture again in the future. Uh, but then to add a bit more confusion to the women's division there was this strange backstage segment involving oh, jamie yeah. hater she was just about to get interviewed by the backstage correspondent 
Uh, then from out of nowhere, she's viciously attacked uh, from Brandy Rhodes uh, by Brandy Rhodes. Uh, so, so what was what was that all about? There was no explanation about why Brandy attacked uh, Jamie Hayter. Uh, I'm very confused by this attack. Uh, yeah. <laughs> can you can you shed any light on this? Because uh, a uh, in the match we just saw saw I'm pretty sure Jamie Hayter was the heel in that match, but then yeah. uh, then she gets attacked by Brandy Rhodes, who seemed to be kind of uh, you know doing rather heelish things to attack mm. Jamie Hayter. So does this make her a heel and Jamie a babyface, or was this a babyface attacking? I don't know. I'm very confused as to why it happened yeah. and uh, the story behind it. I'm sure we'll get an explanation. Yeah. Uh, but what were your thoughts on this one? Because uh, it kind of took me uh, off guard, to be honest with you. Mm, it did to me too. Okay, so disclaimer I like Brandy Rhodes. I think Brandy Rhodes has shown a lot of improvement. But this segment was very Same. odd because AEW yeah. is weird with its heel and faces. I feel like they're trying to just have everyone in this weird line of shade of gray. And why that works in some cases with some people, I don't think it can work with everybody. And I feel like that's what they're trying to do a little bit. I could be wrong. But anyway, for this segment alone, I'm with you. It was weird. And the weirdest <laughs> bit about it was Brandy at the end with the announcer. It looked like she was trying to use the force on her or something. I was like, what's going on here? Like She was like pointing at her and I was like... Is she going to choke her or something? I'm like, what is going on? And then it just went on to the next segment. I was like, what the hell was that? <laughs> what was that yeah. segment? It was just really, it was just out of place and odd. Um, but okay. I was like, it didn't really mean anything. Like you said, I'm sure we'll get an explanation, but just the whole about it, I was like, what is this? <laughs> well, well, if nothing else, Josh, it, it's, it certainly got us talking uh, about uh, what happened yeah, yeah. there. So it's, it's created a little bit of intrigue into kind of what might happen next week or what we might see between these two. And we might hopefully get an explanation as to why <laughs> it happened or kind of what side of the fence Brandy Rhodes is on, uh, considering <laughs> that she attacked um, a supposed heel um, in that segment. But uh, interesting, uh, weird, and it'll be, uh, i say, interesting <laughs> weird to see what happens work. next. Uh, <laughs> then we progress into our main event of this week's Dynamite then, Josh. So it was John Moxley versus Pac. Now, uh, uh, these two kind of had a bit of a falling out after being uh, unlikely kind of tag team partners on last week's uh, episode of Dynamite. And uh, I think Pac prevented John Moxley from using a barbed wire baseball bat on his opponents, not wanting to risk disqualification. Uh, so John Moxley uh, gave him the, the dirty deeds uh, before exiting and leaving Pac to, to lose the match. But uh, after an incredible introduction for John Moxley from Justin Roberts, Pac then comes uh, from out of nowhere where he attacks John Moxley with a chair from behind on the stage. Um, after a bit of a beatdown on Moxley on the outside, the referee calls for the bell to officially start the match. Uh, this match was pretty full on from the off with uh, Pack having the, the best of the offense, certainly in the early stages. Pack gets a, a stiff kick to the head of Moxley uh, before getting a two count from a standing star, standing shooting star press. Uh, Moxley then drops Pack headfirst onto the edge of the ring apron. Uh, Moxley does manage to get a two count from a lariat and an X-plex combo. Uh, we then get the three minute of TV time remaining call from uh, uh, from Justin Roberts um, and uh, uh, Pack drops Moxley with an awesome avalanche falcon arrow for another close near fall. Pack connects with a 450 splash while uh, Moxley was lying on the floor on the outside. That was an awesome spot and looked very effective. However, Pack misses his black arrow with one minute remaining uh, with Moxley hitting his uh, paradigm shift uh, with only 10 seconds remaining and uh, and he goes for the cover, Josh, and Pack kicks out with only five seconds to go and the bell rings for the end of the match. So before the show goes off the air, we see Moxley delivering a paradigm shift uh, to the referee. Um, now, Josh, for, for those of us that are watching on Fight TV, we saw the aftermath of what happened um, yeah. after it went off air on TNT in America. I understand we saw Pack attacking Moxley with a steel chair. 
the four pack uh, puts the chair over Mox's head, ready to deliver uh, a, a career-ending move potentially. Uh, but before Pack could do any further damage, none other than Kenny Omega came out to make the save uh, to uh, for his full gear opponent, which uh, mm. uh, was interesting. In, in, in the turn of events, uh, Omega and Moxley clear Pack from the ring. Uh, then Hangman Page comes out uh, to challenge Pack to a match at full gear. So that's kind of added to the card on the november the 9th uh and that officially brought the end to the fight tv broadcast so there's a lot to digest here from from the match and the aftermath uh, with a lot of uh, action not making the tnt broadcast as i mentioned i think they're doing a kind of a, a bit of a, an on-call showing yeah. over the weekend with the, that extra five minutes added um, but those lucky enough to watch it on fight tv saw how it was meant to play out on uh, tnt of course and that's the match itself i thought was very good uh, may have been a little bit rushed towards the end due to the TV time running out, but I felt that that added a little bit of extra uh, excitement, added that little element uh, of excitement to, to a match with the clock running down uh, to zero, giving us a time limit draw. So uh, a fun main event, I felt, um, and some shenanigans to end uh, the, the, the uh, AEW Dynamite on Josh. Uh, I'd love to know your thoughts on this one. Yeah, um, I love a good fight against the clock. It's it's hard not to like that. It's just it it adds that little bit of intrigue. Um, so my co-host on Wrestling Reverb, uh, Kevin Carroll, he um actually gave a little bit of a hot take about John Moxley, and he doesn't think that he's any different from when he was Dean Ambrose, and he's kind of come in with a lot of hype and just kind of just been just kind of there. Um, I don't know if I necessarily agree. I don't know though. I couldn't really disagree at the same time because I'm like. What is really John Moxley done since he's come in at double or nothing and then everything in New Japan and then he's just kind of he is just kind of doing the same stuff. But I thought this was probably one of his better matches that he's had, um, you know, recently and stuff like that, because he was out with an injury and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, Puck's great. There's no doubt about that. Um, yeah, I thought it was a good match. I, again, I like the it's very interesting when it's the clock and you got to fight against the clock. And I thought the aftermath was cool. I didn't know that they weren't getting it on TNT to be completely honest with you. I just was watching on fight. So I was like, this must be the end of the show. Um, but yeah, all these other stuff, apparently they didn't get it over there. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I'm sure that's a lesson for them on how to manage their time a bit better. But uh, yeah. I, I enjoyed the drama of the clock running down and the uh, yeah. kind of the, the announcements from uh, uh, from Justin Roberts on how much time is left. So uh, you know, five minutes of TV time remaining, three minutes of TV time remaining, one minute. And it kind of very similar to when we've had them classic Iron Man, ma- Iron Man matches in the past uh, where kind of the clock's running down and everybody's at uh, two falls apiece for example and are they going to get the final win and uh, sometimes they do sometimes they don't with a second to spare and not on this occasion but obviously sets up uh, maybe a, a future match between these two yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, no, like I say, it was interesting. I mean, what's your thoughts on Kenny Omega coming down to? I mean, it kind of looks like he was making the save and, and potentially helping his opponent for uh, for full gear, um, so that maybe uh, Pack didn't kind of hurt him or take him out of the yeah. match uh, against Kenny at full gear. But uh, I thought that was quite interesting. What, what were your thoughts on that one? Yeah, I like that because it's not like the cookie cutter way of telling a story but it's still very obvious in what he was doing he already got taken away from him once to fight john and now he's not letting that happen again and puck was going to do that so i i thought that was really cool it's yeah, a little bit outside point. of the box and i like that 
Mm, yeah, some good points there, definitely. Uh, let's have a little look at NXT UK. So I need to ask you, Josh, uh, have you seen much NXT UK? You obviously get it on the WWE Network, wherever you are. But um, uh, is it kind of on your, your schedule of wrestling shows that you like to watch every single week? And now, of course, it's it's moved from a Wednesday to a Thursday. Um, well, certainly that's when we catch it over here in the UK. But um, have you had a lot of exposure to NXT UK? Uh, if so, what are your thoughts? Um, I have and I haven't. Okay, so it's... Out of everything, it's just the thing that just gets left in the dirt because there's a lot of wrestling to watch. And sometimes I, I do like to watch other television shows that isn't wrestling. Yeah. I know, <laughs> color me shocked. But I, if, if there's something on the internet that's like, you need to watch this match, of course I'll go and watch it. If, I, you know, if, if I've got something and I'm just like, I'll just watch this. I have watched it in the past. I've watched the takeovers. They were fantastic. Yeah. Um, the, it, the sad thing is, is that the NXT UK product is really, really good. It's just process of elimination at this point of just like now that AEW is in here as well it's like all right I need a little bit of a break from wrestling and that would that just happens to me in my process of elimination but it is very good whenever I watch it I'm never disappointed the talent in NXT UK is fantastic yeah, and, and with it sticking to just a, a one-hour show each week, it does make mm-hmm. it a bit more uh, a bit more appealing, a bit more digestible compared to, yeah. you know, I mean, NXT, I love it and I'll always love it, but uh, it's become a little bit more of a, uh, a harder watch now that it's gone to two hours um, and uh, a lot of other shows are two hours or three hours. So having that yeah. kind of hour, um, like I say, it is kind of left to the end um yeah. you know if i have time i'll watch it but then it's it's an easier watch because it is just 60 minutes it, that's and, true uh, yeah definitely i can um, usually so. put it on when something else is going on and and just have it on even if it's in the background it's still on like i said um it's just a matter of like sometimes i just want to watch something on oh, completely agree completely agree and especially i mean i i've uh, really got into uh nwa power i don't know if you've caught any episodes of that but I've i think that's, that's really it's good, good. Yeah, a, a really unique style and uh, trying to catch uh, AEW Dark and uh, catching up on Raw and SmackDown highlights that's NXT. <laughs> there is, there really is. And that's, uh, yeah, so um, you really do need to kind of plan your time or invest so much personal yeah. time into watching wrestling nowadays. But uh, that's what we do. We, 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 we do this, Josh, so that uh, the others don't have to and they can just listen yeah. to our podcast. So we, we sacrifice <laughs> our free time uh, for, for the good of the, the listening public. But um here we go. So just some highlights from this week's NXT. And it was a really good show, uh, capping off with a, a fantastic main event, which we'll talk about very, very soon. So we got uh, Gallus uh, out. So they're, they're out sending a message and challenging Imperium uh, to see who's the most dominant faction in NXT UK. So uh, uh, I'm guessing that uh, now that Imperium have become a, a, a regular feature on NXT, um, what are your thoughts on them? And now that uh, Gallus, the new tag team champions with Mark Coffey and Wolfgang coming out to see who's uh, the, the, the biggest or the best faction in NXT. You've essentially got two heel groups here mm-hmm. uh, kind of well, going off against one another in, in this instance only on the microphone. Um, but yeah. so kind of what were your thoughts on this this opening segment, Josh? I, the best thing about this is because I don't watch it all the time, um, although I know who these characters are, it's, you know, I don't have a lot of exposure to them. So I'm like, I'm just judging them on what, especially just sitting down and being like, okay, I'm going to watch NXT UK this week. I'm just kind of judging this for what it is. I really don't have too much to go off of other than, you know, the stuff that I keep up with and, and kind of knowing what's going on. But, you know, I, I just have to watch it and just feel for it without any going like, what's going to happen here? What's going to, I'm just watching it like a wrestling show, yeah. which is cool. I love Imperium. I love their theme music. I'm yeah. <laughs> just, just putting that out there. I just love that music. It just is like, yeah, I get really hyped for them. And especially now that I've had more exposure to them being on NXT, 
um, just like your your stateside NXT. So um, I really like them. It is it, it something about the segment that I noticed the most was that because they're essentially two heel kind of dynamics. Sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't. And I just didn't feel like it really clicked here. But that's just my opinion. But mm-hmm. um, it could be just the fact that I'm not really familiar enough with the whole NXT UK product. But it was still a good segment. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And it'd be interesting to see where that takes us. Uh, then we had the Grizzled Young Veterans uh, be Ashton Smith and Oliver Carter. We, 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 and after the match, Flash Morgan Webster and Mark Andrews came down to make the save from a post-match beatdown of Smith and and, uh, and Carter by GYV. Uh, there was uh, this was uh, then there was a really back and forth match between Ligero and the Kiwi Buzzsaw Travis Banks, uh, with the match ending in a double pinfall draw. So not something you see every day uh, that the fans were even calling for uh, for VAR or or TMO, whatever you want to call it, some sort of action replay. um, uh, Both men shake hands at the end of this match. But we're always certainly going to see the two of these in a match again in the future. Uh, then we get a recap from last week where Jordan Devlin uh, confronted or called out Dave Mastiff uh, on last week's show with uh, Jordan Devlin trying but failing to hoist Big Dave up for his Devlin side, only for Dave Mastiff to hit his big cent on uh, setting these two up for a match, which I believe is going to take place on next week's NXT UK. So that'll be a hell of a match to look forward to. Uh, we're then told that NXT UK um, has a change of time slot for next week. So it'll still be on a Thursday, but it'll be uh, instead of playing at 8 p.m over here in the UK it will be 4pm to make room for the Crown Jewel pay-per-view which is taking place later on that afternoon um so, however, uh, definitely worth tuning in to next week's NXT because uh, you've also got the, uh, the, the debut of uh, indie favourites over here in the UK and Europe of A-Kid, um, who Tyler Bates put over earlier on in the episode in a little segment with him. Uh, we also be getting the, the aforementioned uh, Dave Mastiff versus Jordan Devlin match, which will be really, really hot, um, and all of which will be covered here on the Wrestling with Jonas podcast. And that all brings us up to the main event of this week's NXT UK, Josh. Uh, Noam Dar versus Trent Seven. So this has had a bit of a build over recent weeks with some kind of comedy segments and uh, uh, I think they did have kind of uh, a bit of a match that ended in a bit of a no contest so this is kind of their blow off match Um, so uh, before this match can officially get underway, Dar attacks Trent Seven on his entrance into the ring with a soccer-style kick to the back of the head before running Trent Seven into the steel ring posts, uh, before then attacking Trent Seven's arm with a baseball drop kick into the ring post. Uh, so that looked pretty painful. Trent decides uh, that he is fit enough to continue, that he is fit enough to rest, uh, wrestle. Um, and uh, even after the brutal attack from Noam Dar, uh, with Trent connecting as the bell rings with a sweet lariat um, to start the match, uh, turning Noam Dar 360. So that was was fun to see. Uh, Dar gets a two count from a fisherman suplex. There's even a a homage from uh, Noam Dar to Pete Dunne uh, trying to snap away at Trent Seven's fingers before dumping Trent over the top rope into the floor. The fans were really into this one. It was a really hot match and uh, the crowd were definitely showing it, uh, mainly because uh, Dar, in my opinion, plays one of the best heels in the business and Trent Seven sells better than anybody in wrestling today. He's such a good salesman. And in this match, he had to do a lot of selling uh, for for both uh, an arm injury and a leg injury, all of which he did tremendously. Uh, Trent nails Dar with the DDT on the ring apron before getting a close near fall from a seven-star lariat. Trent then pays uh, his own homage to British Strong Style uh, members Tyler Bates and Pete Dunne with a, a bop and bang punch and a finger snap before delivering his uh, burning hammer, which he's calling the, the Birmingham hammer, which is uh, kind of a bit of a play on words there from where he's from um, for the pinfall victory. So I really liked uh, the end of that match. I loved everything about this match, to be honest with you. A fantastic main event uh, from the heel shenanigans uh, and the tough tough offense from Noam Dar through to the amazing selling and perseverance from Trent Seven. Um, I, I think that 
both men really delivered in this one a uh, hell of a way to uh, to close NXT UK. But give us your thoughts on this one. I thought it was a, a really good match. Yeah, me too. Um, Again, because I don't watch it that often, I just got to watch a great wrestling match for just what it was. You yeah. have to think about anything. I was just watching good wrestling. I love Noam Dar. I always have loved Noam Dar. He's just really cool to me. He's just got like a coolness about him. Um, But this match was just, I honestly just agree with you because it was just really, really good. The spots that were there were just great. And the selling by Trent is really, really good. Um, I... I've seen him obviously multiple times on NXT and I've seen him, you know, throughout whatever, if I've seen clips or whatever other matches, but he is very good at selling and he sold everything just really well. It makes it, we know what wrestling is, but it makes me believe I'm like, this guy's in pain. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, I thought that both guys had a lot of really good chemistry in this match. Um, yeah. And I've I've warmed to Noam Dar over the year since I've been kind of commentating on him since he's been appearing on uh, NXT UK. And uh, to start off with, I found his character quite annoying. Uh, he is one of those uh, people that you just want to go up to and punch in the face. Uh, he probably <laughs> he probably punched me twice as hard. But uh, uh, but uh, and I think that 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 kind of um, is is good because he's, he's obviously doing his job well as as a heel. Then he if, if he's the sort of person you want to. Go up and, and, and punch um and uh, so he's got his character down pat he's really nailed his character and i think his wrestling style is, is, is equally as good and uh yeah. trent seven um like I, said, I think his character his selling his gimmick um is just top notch and uh, both worked really really well in this match so yeah. thumb, big thumbs up for that match and a big thumbs up for nxt uk this week and like i say it's only an hour so if you've not started watching nxt uk definitely give it a try because um it's it's not as if you have to invest two or three hours into a wrestling show it's yeah. only an hour it's an easy watch it's easy to digest um lots of cool action and uh, yeah although some of the the bigger stars like tyler bate and pete dunn seem to be making more of an appearance or more yeah. Uh, waves in uh, in NXT on the black and gold brand. It's still got uh, it, it's still got Walter and Imperium there. It's still got Trent oh, Seven and other big stars like uh, uh, others that we spoke about, Ligero, for example, Travis Banks, um, and other big stars that are coming through. And of course, next week you've got. Uh, Jordan Devlin versus Dave Mastiff. So that'll be a really good clash of style. So, yeah. <laughs> Big man versus little man. And, and Jordan Devlin, as a lot of people uh, know, is, is one of my favourites because I think he's he's not only developed as a wrestler, he's developed as a character. He's great on a mic. He's very and, good. Uh, he really is. I'm a big fan of Jordan Devlin. But uh, yeah, so a big thumbs thumbs up from me there for NXT UK. But uh, let's um, talk about our final show of the week then. We're going to be talking a little bit about NXT this week then, Josh. So um I'm guessing that uh, this is definitely on your schedule of wrestling shows that you oh, watch yeah. every single week. And, uh, <laughs> yes. and uh, how, how do you think they've kind of performed, not not necessarily about this week's show, but how do you think they've performed since, since they've gone to two hours and since they've gone to the USA Network? Uh, I mean, it's they've been pretty good shows, but um, yeah. do you think that uh, there's some uh, ironing out of anything that they need to do in order to make it more appealing? Uh, what was your thoughts on NXT since it's gone from one hour to two hours? I don't know. I, when I when it first got announced, I think we all were, but I was definitely in my brain. I was cautiously optimistic. I was like, Ooh, this could be bad because sometimes when you expand even something that's very good, it can just take away from the 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 appeal of it. Um, watching the first episode when it originally went to two hours, I was like, okay. I mean, on this, I don't think there is any ironing out to do. I think it flows really nicely. That is like a great wrestling show you don't notice how long it's been on if that makes any sense and sometimes it's over and i'm like oh okay that was two hours it doesn't feel like two hours sometimes when you watch some other wrestling shows you'd be like oh man 
this has been on for two hours. Like that's a lot of my day. Looking down I didn't realize, and, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm, I'm just like, I don't, yeah. With NXT, I, I'm, listen, I'm a generation that, well, like anyone is now, I'm just on my phone all the time. I'm not really on my phone too much for NXT. I can just kind of watch the show. Not every wrestling show, not every television show you can, I can say I can do that for. So it doesn't feel like two hours, which is yeah. knock on wood how, how I hope it stays. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Do you think that NXT would benefit from possibly, um, I don't know, maybe going on the road and uh, doing yes. their, their weekly TV show 100%. in front of a, a different audience or maybe a bigger yeah. crowd? And it doesn't necessarily have to be huge arenas because I put on my no. Facebook page over day that potentially if they went to and did a show from the Hammerstein Ballroom, for example, which is small, yeah. intimate, but a different atmosphere. They did a lot of Monday Night Raws there from back in the day. Or maybe the old ECW arena, once again, a different yeah. town, a different crowd. Uh, different atmosphere but um what's your thoughts on them possibly going on the road uh for their weekly two hours yeah i i i don't know when when we all got announced of like aw and nxt going kind of head to head um i'm an nxt person i watch aw and nxt actually at the same time which is i don't know it's fun but it's also very challenging sometimes but i do find myself focusing more on nxt because i just love nxt to bits yeah. but something that i would I would, if I was a casual fan of wrestling and I was flipping through channels or even if I was just looking for a wrestling show to watch, um, seeing AEW in a bigger arena and going, okay, this looks like a big production. There's lots of people here. And then switching over to NXT. Why I love the intimate setting and I love full sale. It's, you know, night and day different. It really is. When you look at it, it doesn't look on the same level and whether the quality of it, you know, it's debatable, whatever, what anyone says, but you need to take it on the road. A, it gets a little bit stale. It's been in full sale for a long time. It does get a little bit stale after a little while, no matter how great the crowd can or cannot be. Um, but if you take it on the road, it also adds the appeal of NXT, like NXT is something that everyone wants to see, so we have to take it on the road. But even other intimate settings, like you said, would be just, it would, you know, sometimes NXT looks like the same show every week yeah. as opposed to, you know, because they're in the same spot every week. I feel like the only thing I can compare it to is when Impact um, you know, it was gaining a little bit of traction in like 08, 09, but they were in the impact zone every single week. And no matter what anyone says, that gets boring after a little while and you get kind of, it gets stale. Yeah, agreed. And I, I think that uh, the perception is, although but both shows are, are evenly uh, matched yeah. both weeks for wrestling style and kind of the storylines and the angles and the promos, you could say they're fairly evil, e- even uh, as far yeah, as the content they deliver. The perception sometimes is that AEW is delivering the bigger and the better show because they mm-hmm. are in front of 10,000 people instead of yeah. four or 500. So it probably would benefit them to mix it up a little bit in the future and hopefully they I will. Agree. So we'll, we'll, we'll stay tuned for that. But uh, our opening match. Uh, was it was a pretty good match uh yep. Ripley versus Bianca Belair so this this match was great to be honest with you I enjoyed everything about this match uh we had a, a test of strength and power moves from both wrestlers uh with uh Belair and uh Ripley trading vertical suplexes to kickstart the match uh Ripley catches Belair in midair with a punishing boot to the chest a uh, big boot to the chest followed by a drop kick and a uh, brilliant inverted cloverleaf I love it when she does that especially to oh, yeah. the smaller wrestler um before nailing Belair on the outside with a stunning catch Hannibal off the side of the the ring, which is something you don't often see Rhea Ripley do, so I was quite impressed with that one. Uh, Just then, and with uh, the match really heating up, we see Io Shirai come from out of nowhere uh, to stun Ripley with a tiger fake kick, uh, allowing Belair to deliver a spear to Rhea, but only getting a two count for her troubles. And with uh, 
Io Shirai up on the ring apron. It's Candice LeRae's turn to arrive from out of nowhere to pull her former friend off the ring apron with force uh, as the match continues. Rhea Ripley then puts an end to the match, uh, puts an end to this excellent match with her uh, riptide pump handle bomb for the eventual three count. So, as I said, I, I love this match. I thought it was a good booking, some uh, interference that um, didn't uh, disrupt the match too much. Uh, plenty of high spots, plenty of drama and uh, just the right amount of booking uh, with both women looking strong um, as the race for the number one contender spot heats up. Uh, so, uh, yeah, a really hot way to open up the show yeah. uh, with Rhea Ripley and uh, Bianca Belair. So th- this wasn't advertised as a number one cont- contenders match. I'm sure we'll get that somewhere down the line. But uh, these two are definitely in the hunts for Shayna Baszler's bouts. But I'd love to know your thoughts on this one, Josh. I love this match. I thought it was a really cool open. I love... All of the ladies involved in this, I'm a big fan of all of them. I love okay. Belair. I think okay. Belair has a yeah. just I think she has so much potential. I do really think the sky's the limit with her. I think she's got a lot. Um she's just improved so much. Experience is the only factor that comes into her. The more she wrestles, the better she's going to get. Obviously, I love Rhea. I think Rhea is just so different from every other person on the roster. Um I'm including just WWE in general, I think she's got this badass kind of take about her. I I could sound biased, but I do think she's very unique. And she is so much different from when she was in originally in the Mae Young Classic. She's a different, completely different person. Oh, yeah. Candice LeRae is great. Io Shirai, I think, is the best wrestler in the world. Gender divided. I, I, I don't really see gender. I just, I think she's a fantastic wrestler. This match was just really good. I love, I love Bianca Belair's spear. Um, I love that. I love what I love um, the uh, submission that Rhea does. The rip, t- everything about this, it just flowed really nicely. I was a little bit like, I wasn't sure if these two were going to click when this match got announced. I was like, I don't know. There's just they're very similar in style. I was like, yeah. I don't know if this will work. I was, oh very, boy, very, boy, they did. Yeah, they really I was did. wrong. I was wrong. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it was really, really fun. No matter what, it seems like we're kind of building to some kind of maybe multi-person match for Shayna's title or some kind of multi-person number one contenders match. Whatever it may be, any of these ladies fighting Shayna, and I'd be more than fine with it because anyone. the good thing about the NXT women's division is that I, why Shayna's been on top for so long, I do really feel like anyone could take the title off of her. Yeah, yeah, very true. But we have thought that before, and she's uh, successfully defended against the likes of uh, Nikki Cross and Bianca Belair and so many others. Uh, So just when you think it's her time or her time is up, uh, she continues to hold on to that strap. So uh, that's good. I I like Shane. Oh, big time, big time. Uh, Kathy yeah. Kelly then catches up with Tyler Bate and Pete Dunne on the outside uh, of the arena, who promises that uh, there is going to be a receipt for uh, Damien Priest and uh, coming his way after Damien Priest attacked Pete Dunne with a, a low blow and his finishing move last week. Kathy uh, asks Pete about his pre-match confrontation with Killian Dane from last week as well, with the Bruiserweight saying that uh, he doesn't care about Killian Dane. So, as much as Pete says he doesn't care about Killian Dane, I'm sure that he'll care a whole lot more when the two of them face across the ring for one another in their inevitable match, which will uh, hopefully happen very soon. Uh, what, what's your thoughts on what Pete Dunne had to say there? Uh, like I say, he's got a receipt coming for Damien Priest, and uh, I'm sure we'll have a match between him and uh, Killian Dane coming up. But uh, oh, Pete yeah. Dunne seems to have quite a few irons in the fire. He's uh, got a, a, couple of, <laughs> a couple of opponents in the wings for him there. He's not really making too many friends, um, but that's just how Pete is, I guess. But um, there's something about Pete Dunne when he has an interview that he's so, I, I don't even know the word, lack of a better term, not interested in the interview, that it comes across 
it's perceived well. Mm. And it's like, I, I see it as like, he doesn't care about talking. He just wants to beat the crap out of people, which yeah. I'm fine with. That's what Pete's best at. But it's a lack of a better term. But yeah, he just seems very not interested in talking. And I like that. Because everyone is so talk, talk, talk in the wrestling world, just in general now. He's just very like, I don't need to do this. I'm just going to beat the crap out of some people and go on about my day. But I'm sure we're going to get matches, like you said, with Killian and more with Damien, which is fine by me. Anyone that Pete works with, I'm okay with. <laughs> yeah, hell, put them in the freeway. I'd love to see all three of them yeah, go at sure. it. That could be a hell of a match. <laughs> um, then, then on to match number two, uh, Matt Riddle versus Cameron Grimes. So my first reaction when Cameron Grimes came out as Matt Riddle's opponent was, now we're talking. Um, I, I love both of these two, and I've loved everything that uh, Cameron Grimes has done since uh, the NXT breakout tournament through to his appearances on NXT more recently. Uh, both wrestlers go for their respective signature moves as soon as the bell rings. Uh, there's plenty of transitional holes between these two in the early stages. Uh, Riddle punishes Grimes with a series of stiff kicks and running forearms before popping the crowd with a perfectly executed jackhammer uh, just to give uh, 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 just to kind of give it to a certain Hall of Famer there. No names mentioned, but uh, yes, I'm sure uh, a certain Mr. Goldberg was kind of watching in the wings there. Uh, Grimes <laughs> recovers with a backflip over Matt Riddle to perform a bridge in German suplex for a two-count of his own. Riddle really lays it in with a, a ripcord knee, a bro to sleep, an Everest German suplex for a very, very close near fall. Uh, Grimes delivers a, what appeared to be like a deep a deep six uh, slam for a close near fall of his own. Uh, Riddle nails a superplex on uh, on Grimes from the from the middle turnbuckle. The final few minutes of this match was 100 miles per hour with both men trading big moves. However, Matt Riddle came out on the winning end with an awesome power bomb um, into a bro Derek uh, for the one, two, three. So this was a, a breathtaking match. Um, yeah. Uh, one big move after another one and a great story being told in the ring as well and the fans were into every single move they're really yeah. eating it up so uh, yeah from, from the moment the bell rang lots of hard hitting action lots of fast pace lots of big moves um, and uh, there was a bit of a story being told in this one yeah. uh, it, it wasn't all wrestling but uh, I'd love to know your, your match and like I said at the very beginning I was uh, happily surprised to see Cameron Grimes come yeah, out me as Matt too. Riddle's opponent <laughs> a, a little bit sad that he lost this match but I'd love to know your thoughts on this one oh, I was just Fast, 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 go, 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 which I, it's not every match needs to be like that. But when it is like that, I love it. Um, I didn't like Matt Riddle when I first seen Matt Riddle. I did something about his face. I was like, I just want to hit you in the face. I don't like you. But there's something about him that I can't help but like because he's just so like cool and collected and just walks out with his, you know, his, the big smile and his, his, all his, just the whole get up. I like him and I love Cameron Grimes. So um, I was like, like you, I was like, oh, this will be good. Um, everything about it. The, uh, the riddle uh, with the crowd. That was uh, interesting. And he had that yeah. smirk on his face when they were chanting at him. And I was like, oh man, uh, Goldberg would be uh, loving that one. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was a really just fast paced match. And it was just like, could not blink because you would miss something but it was good I, I have no complaints about that match it's probably my favorite match of the whole night to be completely honest yeah. with you. so it'll be interesting to see what other goldberg moves riddle kind of breaks out on his next show and will he bring yeah. up the, the spear <laughs> or will he do the the kind of uh, the entrance with the sparklers and the fireworks oh, uh, i would I be all down to that sign on the dotted line <laughs> I, I i think the more he does to wind up goldberg the more likely it is that we possibly might get a match we can't those not two get it at this stage it's got to happen isn't I, it? I, I feel it's like it happen. has to <laughs> 
feel like it has to. Did you see Goldberg's uh, documentary on the WWE Network where they had that confrontation backstage? And that was quite (laughs) intense. So that that was kind of like, oh, no. And uh, Riddle didn't back down. He was kind of keeping a smile on on his face, but he didn't back down. It did get quite intense. So, uh, yeah. You could tell. I was like, well, this is is not good. Um, Yeah, it's one of those things in wrestling that's just like, who knows what's, you know, completely real, what's completely not. It doesn't matter to me. It really doesn't. But at some point, too much has happened for us not to see it now, I feel. I feel like Goldberg's just like, I've got one more in me. And that's perfect for that, to be honest. And there's a story behind it. So, you know. Yeah. You've got a ready story. Yeah, I'd yeah. love to see that one. I think as soon as uh, Riddle makes makes it up onto either uh, Raw or SmackDown, or maybe if they start introducing NXT matches onto uh, pay-per-views, you never know. That's we could get want. Riddle. Riddle. Yeah, want... that, that would be pretty cool. That would be cool. Just one or two. It doesn't have to be anything like concrete. Um, Just have one featured every pay-per-view or every at least the big four pay-per-views or whatever you want to call the big yeah. four now. But I would like to see that. An NXT title match at WrestleMania is something that I really think should happen. Yeah, good point, definitely. So to, uh, the action uh, and the, the drama didn't finish there. So after the match, Riddle goes over to give a fist bump to Cameron Grimes, who is having none of it. Uh, however, Tyler Bate, who is sat at uh, ringside, um, he, he does get a fist bump from from uh, Matt Riddle, of course. Um, but he also gets a, a, a shove, a solid shove from Cameron Grimes, uh, sending Tyler Bate backwards. And with the former WWE UK champion taking exception to the shelf from Grimes, Tyler Bate uh, uh, makes him look up for Bop uh, before dropping Grimes down with a bang. Uh, and it looks like Tyler Bate is going to be a regular on the black and gold brand. I think we've we've seen uh, the last of him for the meantime on NXT UK. And uh, we could well see his first opponent in Cameron Grimes. So that'll be a, a pretty good matchup, Tyler Bate, Bate versus Cameron Grimes. Um, and they've set up a, a really good match and a, a good storyline there um, following the match uh, between Grimes and Riddle of course so moving on to our next match Breezango um, and uh, a mystery partner versus the Forgotten Sons. So Breezango were originally going to be uh, teaming with Kushida. Kushida was uh, he's out of action with a, a broken hand or a broken wrist following his match with Walter from a couple of weeks ago. Now, as much as I love Breezango and their new entrance and entrance music, I think it's pretty cool. Uh, I was not necessarily up for their match with the Forgotten Sons. I'm not a fan of the Forgotten Sons. I think they're quite boring, quite bland. Um, but mm-hmm. uh, that was until Isaiah Scott came out. Uh, Isaiah Swerve Scott, no less, came out to be Bruzango's uh, third partner, the, the tag team partner in the six man. And uh, like I say, big fan of Swerve Scott, so that kind of brought my attention back into the match. Um, so uh, Tyler Breeze uh, eventually makes the hot tag to his partner Dango, who quickly tags out to Swerve. Uh, but even uh, he is triple teamed with a top rope Hurricane Rana and a double flying headbutt combo from Blake and Cutler. Uh, Swerve does manage to make his presence known with a moonsault off the chest of uh, Jackson Riker, no less, uh, from off the ring apron down onto Blake and Cutler onto the floor on the outside. That was a pretty special move, something that you'd probably expect from a ricochet. Uh, and now we're going to be seeing uh, that sort of action from Swerve. Uh, the end of the match comes with. Uh, when Breeze and Dango, that they send Riker and Cutler bundling to the outside, allowing Swerve Scott to connect with a leaping kick to the back of the head of Wesley Blake for the pinfall victory. So I'm not sure that we've seen uh, the best of Isaiah Scott in this match, but considering the quality of their opponents, it wasn't a bad match. And that moonsault uh, with Scott using Riker's chest as a launching pad was pretty sweet. But uh, yeah, it, it wasn't such a bad match. Um, I think that uh, all eyes are certainly on Isaiah Scott to see what he can deliver in the future um, and uh, a good win also for Breezango. But uh, give us your thoughts on this, this fun little match. Yeah, it was fun. It, nothing really stood out to me too much, but... 
I love Breezango. I think they're fun. I love and Isaiah Swerve Scott. He's gonna be fun. Like I love seeing. That's my favorite part about NXT is just seeing new talent develop. And you're like, oh, I remember where I was watching this when this person, you know, even you know years ago we're watching like Sasha and Charlotte and um, Finn. Well, Finn. We'll talk about Finn after. But all of that just come through, and you're like, oh, I just. Humble beginnings in a in a sense, and I just love seeing new talent shine through. And he's got a lot of potential, and that's yeah. the best part about it. But I love Breeze Ungo. Their entrance is just what a f- again silliness. <laughs> I love silliness. Um, so yeah, and I the really fans really love it. Them. You know, it, 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 yeah. they seem to mix it up every single week. So I think uh, last week they were a policeman. This week they, yeah. they they came down as a, a pilots or something. I'm not sure, uh, <laughs> but uh, they mix it up every week, and that makes it kind of entertaining for the fans at home and uh, watching at TV. Uh, so uh, so 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 yeah, uh, some really good action there. And I, I'm really keeping my eyes open for Isaiah Swerve Scott. Um, yeah. I, I don't know if you caught his match he had with uh, Drew Gulak on. 205 Live uh, probably a month or so ago but they had an outstanding match it probably went about I heard about minutes. it yeah it was a great match uh, now we haven't seen much of Swerve Scott since that match I think he actually uh, got a bit of an injury during that match with Gulak oh. we certainly seem to be selling uh, a hand injury or an arm injury during that match which is why we haven't seen him for a while but uh, definitely back in action and uh, getting the pinfall victory in that six man. Mm. So uh, moving on to our next match, another fun match, Angel Garza versus uh, Jack Gallagher. So uh, Angel Garza appears to be positioned as a bit of a baby face in this match, having yeah. previously portrayed a bit more of a heel uh, character. Uh, Gallagher strikes with a headbutt to the face of Garza and that won't uh, impress any of his female fans. Uh, Garza then plants Gallagher's face into the canvas before executing his Cabrana moonsault for the one, two, three. So Garza, um, then signals over to Leo Rush, who's on commentary, uh, and he wants a shot at Rush's NXT Cruiserweight title. So uh, this was a short match, quite an entertaining match with uh, Gaza getting over, or possibly designed to get Gaza over as a babyface, um, previously being saddled uh, as, as more of a heel, but he's definitely popular with the fans. They love it when he tears off his, his tights. Um, and uh, yeah, it looks like he's setting up a match between Gaza and Leo Rush, possibly for a, a Cruiserweight Championship match. But uh, what was your thoughts on this one and the potential of seeing Leo Rush versus Gaza in the ring. I love Angel Gaza. Again, mm. talent that I'm just seeing and I'm just like, oh, potential, 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 potential. And obviously he's got a look um, and stuff like that and the, the pants rip off and that. Everyone goes nuts for that, me included. Um, <laughs> he's just, again, it, this was a fun match. Jack's great. I've seen Jack Gallagher so many times, yeah. but um, I'm never complaining when I see him. Um, but yeah, again, just potential. I love seeing new talent come through and the the fact that, I think Leo is a great cruiserweight champ. I just think Leo's a really good fit for that because obviously Leo Rush is really fun to watch in the ring. He does some stuff that you're just like, how? And Angel Garza is the best thing about him. I can, the stuff that he does, he sticks to what he does well and he does it very well. He doesn't yes. really, he does stuff outside of the box, obviously, but the stuff that he does, he knows what he's doing and he just, he doesn't have to worry about the other stuff. He doesn't go outside of the box, his kind of box too much. And I like that. And I can yeah. see that in him. But again, potential for him. I, I really think he's very good. Yeah, and it looks like they're setting up uh, a match between Angel Garza and Leo Rush. I think that would be a really good match for the Cruiserweight Championship. I, I personally mm. think it's probably possibly 
too soon for Leo Rush to lose the championship and possibly too Me soon too. for them to put a belt onto Angel Garza. But I think it could set up for maybe uh, a more drawn out storyline and, and uh, potentially yeah. are seen as uh, Angel Garza as uh, maybe championship serious uh, title contenders uh, for yeah. the future. But uh, that match will be showing very soon. I'm not sure if it's going to be on next week's NXT, quite possibly. I may have it in my notes a bit later on. So uh, that will remind me a bit later on. But uh, moving on to the next match. Now, this was... Uh, another fun match and surprisingly short and this was billed as a number one contenders match for the WWE Women's Tag Team Championship so I remember back when uh, Bailey and Sasha Banks were first champions they came out and they did an appearance at Full Sail and they said we're going to defend the championships uh, on NXT, NXT UK Smackdown Raw, wherever it takes us and uh, they never actually got to defend the championships on uh, NXT however it was uh, made in an announcement uh, on social media earlier on in the week that uh, the winner of this match, uh, which is pitting Tiger Knox and Dakota Kai versus Jessamyn Duke and Marina Shafir from uh, the, the MMA horsewomen, of course, stablemates of uh, Shayna Baszler. Uh, the winner of this match will be going up against the Kabuki Warriors, uh, Kari Sane and uh, Asuka, of course, on next week's NXT. So when, when you heard this announcement, um, like I say, it, it, it's kind of mixing up a little bit again, Josh, and mm-hmm. uh, it'll be fun to see Asuka and Kari Sane back on NXT next week uh, to face the winners of this match. Um, I'm sure they'll get a fantastic reception, despite the fact that they're um, oh, yeah. uh, just found their heel <laughs> oh, side. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, kind of what, what were your thoughts when this announcement was made? made by William Regal earlier on in the week. Finally. That's, you know, mm. back when Sasha and Bailey had those championships and said, hey, we're going to defend these titles wherever it may be. I was like, cool, it's going to make the Women's Tag Team Championships feel different because just I'll briefly go into this, but I was kind of skeptical of the Women's Tag Team Championships only for the fact, not the talent involved, they all, they have talent there, but they're the way that they were going to be positioned. And, you know, they've kind of flowed in and out and they're in a better spot than they were. And with this kind of stuff, I want to see them go to NXT. I want to see them go to NXT UK. I want to see them prop up at Evolve and stuff, you know, stuff yeah. that WWE's involved with. And just, A, it gets a shine on the WWE brand. B, it gets a shine on the women's tag team titles and says, hey, this is a championship that everybody is gunning for. Every women's tag team wants to be the women's tag team champions. And C, it gets a shine on the talent that's involved in the in the match, whether it be Oscar and Kyrie Sane or or whoever the tag team champions are. And to see Oscar and Kyrie Sane back on home turf, I guess you would say. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm I'm that's where full sale is great because they're just gonna eat that up and I love the Kabuki Warriors. I think it, it's due time that they're champions. Um, and they're great as heels, which is... I knew Asuka would be a great heel. I knew Kyrie. I didn't know Kyrie could be a great heel. I didn't know if they were going to mesh as heels, but... Man, isn't it fantastic to see them as heels? <laughs> oh, it's so refreshing and it is fantastic. And I, I love the uh, introduction of the Green Mist. Um, I, I love their their promos. Surprising in- too. I was yeah. like, whoa. Where did that come from? But uh, that, that's been pretty cool. And she seems to be uh, kind of painting everybody with that stuff. And uh, Kairi saying yeah. uh, with her uh, and Asuka doing their promos in Japanese. And when they get translated, you, some, some of their some of their um, some of the translations is, is pretty tough words. that They probably wouldn't be able to get away with if it was uh, said in English. But um, loving everything about Just, the heel. Sorry, to, sorry to cut you off on that. No, but with the on. Japanese, with the Japanese promos, I know that a lot of people are like, hey, we need to see what they're saying and stuff like that. Yeah, okay, cool. After, let's go, let's go and look at the translation. I think sure. that's great. Go we'll do it. But a passionate promo is a passionate promo, no matter mm. what the language is. And you can hear that they're, they're passionate about what they're saying. 
of course, when I'm hearing uh, Raw or NXT or wherever they are, and I don't know what they're saying. I I don't speak Japanese, but I'm like, I believe you. No matter what you're saying, I hear you. I hear what you're saying, even though I don't understand you. That first promo they cut on Raw, I was like, you know how they had Paige and stuff like that for a little while, and then whatever happened with that, Paige had to go and have more neck surgery or whatever. Um, And I was like, okay, I'd love to see Paige back with them, but a little part of me doesn't now because they're just fine on their own. And it's like I said, a passionate promo is a passionate promo, no matter who can understand it or not. A portion of the audience is Japanese, and they can understand what they're saying. So I don't know. Yeah, and I, I, I think even if you can't understand what they're saying, I think you, you, you can understand the sentiments of what they're trying to say. Yeah, because, feel because, the because of Exactly, exactly. Now, on the subject of uh, WWE Women Tag Team Champions, so obviously we had the Iconics, uh, your, your fellow countrywomen. Um, mm-hmm. I, I like the Iconics. Um, but uh, how would you kind of rate their, their championship reign when they were the champions? I mean, they, they, they didn't seem to do too much with the belts okay. when they were champions. Uh, but uh, was that summed up as a bit of a disappointment for yourself? Oh, yeah, it was. I mean, you never take away the fact they won at WrestleMania. I mean, that was just a, I was in a living room full of people. We're all obviously Australian. We all were like, this is, that was the first ever time that Australians have ever won championships at WrestleMania. And it's like, what a cool moment. And then I was like, okay, I knew, I've always loved the Iconics. I think they're just tremendous heels. They're annoying. They're funny. They're, they're such good comedic wrestlers. Especially Billy. Billy is so funny (laughs) to me. And I'm like, Hey, they talk like I talk. So I'm, I'm happy. Um, but they got the titles and then. They just didn't put them on TV, and I'm like, yeah, oh, why you have you have something here? They could be bratty, you know, cheat to win, get out of matches kind of heels. They could have been those runaway heels that just have the titles and they'll do anything that can to just keep them. And they tried, and then they just didn't put them on TV, and then people forget, people forget to care, and that's just what happened. It was a big disappointment. Yeah. I'd love to see them girls with the 24/7 title. I was hoping to see that because they just they'd be a perfect fit for that, but you can't take away the WrestleMania victory from me. <laughs> no, definitely not. And I, I like the Iconics because uh, I think they're both uh, entertaining characters. They're both as funny as hell. Um, and, uh, you know, when, when the heat is on, they can definitely perform. They can definitely yeah, go in the can. ring. Uh, I mean, I, I think back to the uh, the Women's Elimination Chamber match. I think it was the Elimination Chamber match. Um, and that was an awesome match. And uh, they really kind of shone, uh, as far as I was concerned, in that match. And I wouldn't, have been, disapp- I wouldn't have been disappointed had they have won that match. But like you say, they had their big WrestleMania. They they yeah. were a team. Like absolutely. Yes, Sasha and Bailey were a team. I understand that they were a team, but the Iconics felt like they were an actual tag team. Yeah. And when they got that at WrestleMania, a I was shocked, and I was like, "Holy crap! They just won at WrestleMania." Yeah. Um, and then nothing. They they were a tag team, and nothing really happened with them. And then they the people they lo- like they lost to Bliss and Nikki. Well, I think it was a good move to put the titles on them to get some shine on that, and then go to the Kabuki Warriors. I don't know. It just um. They're an actual team. Again, they're silly, and I'm drawn to it. <laughs> yeah, but that's what WWE is all about, though. I mean, we, we should start a hashtag. We should start justice for the Iconics uh, because, hey. uh, you know, they, they were treated so well before winning the championships and uh, so poorly afterwards. But uh, back to this match, uh, Tika Knox and Dakota Kai versus uh, Jessamyn Duke and Marina Shafir. So uh, the match uh, went up a few notches where Knox got tagged in uh, with the match uh, quickly coming to an end with Tika Knox. Uh, she struck with her shiniest of wizards before hooking the leg of Jessamyn Duke for the win progressing to the championship match against Asuka Kairi Sane for the WWE Women's Championship. So we've already explained that it's going to be presented to us next week. 
on next week's NXT. So that'll be uh, a really good moment for the championship. So it'll be a good moment for um, for uh, Knox and Dakota Kai. And it'll be a fantastic moment to have Asuka and uh, Kairi Sane back on NXT, back on home turf, back home uh, in front of their, their faithful um, audience at full sale. But uh, this time with, with a slight twist to it because they are heels. Um, so they will be healing it up and it'll be interesting. I personally think it's possibly a bit too soon to take the championships off of the Kabuki Warriors. Uh, yeah. But um, yeah. I'd, I'd love to see a hell of a match i can't oh, help yeah. but i can't help but think that there might be uh some shenanigans uh possibly oh, yeah. from, 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 from uh, the horsewomen getting oh, involved yeah. or something but uh if we had a straight up match i think it'll be a good one um so yeah that's another really good match to look forward to for next week so uh, fingers crossed for that one uh but that takes us to um oh it, it, it is confirmed uh that tyler bate will be taking on cameron grimes on next week's show as well as the women's Which tag team so uh, a couple of a uh, couple of good matches already stacking up the card early on so then we we go into our our main event and hell of a main event so uh, Keith Lee Dominic Dijakovic and uh, Roderick Strong for the NXT North American Championship now Roddy was originally earmarked to be facing Velveteen Dream tonight uh, but uh, he was sidelined after the Undisputed uh, Era attacked Dream backstage putting him out of action for this match NXT General Manager William Regal then told Roderick Strong that he will still have to defend his title against the winner of Keith Lee and Dominic Dijakovic from last uh, week so that was part four of their feud uh, so Roddy got involved causing a disqualification and into that match thinking uh, that uh, without a decisive winner that he would no longer have to defend his championship on this week's episode Instead, Regal told Strong that uh, he would now be defending his title against both Keith Lee and Dominic Dijakovic. And here we are. So uh, in this match, uh, some highlights out of a match full of highlights. Um, Keith Lee and Dijakovic, um, they've had their epic series of matches uh, so far this year, with all four matches possibly uh, going down as feud of the year. But you add Roderick Strong into the mix and you could well have a match of the year contender. And I think uh, when we talk about it in a moment, that is exactly what we got here on Wednesday night. So where Dijakovic demonstrates his vast power and uh, very nearly wins the match after suplexing the massive Keefley onto Roderick Strong, getting a two count for his efforts, and that look, look, looks like it hurt. Uh, Dijakovic goes for a running cannibal off the ring apron onto Lee. However, Keith Lee manages to catch Dijakovic in midair for a uh, possible power bomb, but Roderick is quick to react and drops both opponents with a drop kick through the ropes to the outside. Then, in another holy shit moment, uh, we see a Tower of Doom spot with Keith Lee uh, attempting to power bomb Dijakovic while Dijakovic was suplexing Roderick Strong. The, the Tower of Doom almost collapsed. I don't know how the three of them kind of didn't kill themselves. I think uh, Keith Lee yeah, was, that was rough. Almost <laughs> fell out, he almost fell out of the ring from that run. But the fans absolutely lose their mind on that move. So that was absolutely fantastic. Um, Strong uses his pace to his advantage and very nearly gets a three count from uh, an Olympic slam on the 320 pound Keith Lee. Uh, the champion gets um, uh, double teamed on the outside from uh, a, a feast rise from Dijakovic and a giant pounce from Lee, uh, allowing these two big monsters to they will to continue their one-on-one -on -one war uh, from where they left off last week. And watching these two giants in the ring, it kind of reminded me of King Kong versus Godzilla. Uh, and that was uh, no more evident than when we saw Dijakovic choke bomb Keith Lee off the second turnbuckle for another two count. Uh, Dijakovic um, almost takes Strong's head off with a Fosbury flop dive over the top rope to the outside. Uh, but uh, as if that wasn't enough, Keith Lee uh, goes 
and gets in on the act with a, a Topecon hero of his own onto Don Jakovic on the outside. So seeing this 320, 330 pound monster do a Topecon hero over the top rope was a sight to be seen. And we've seen many highlights from the other four matches and this one's just added to it. Uh, Keith Lee then delivers a, an avalanche sit out powerbomb on Don Jakovic, uh, but like a thief in the night, Roderick Strong comes in with a running knee to the face of Keith Lee, hooks the leg and gets the surprise pinfall victory to retain his North American Championship in this epic, epic match. So so many highlights from these three in a match that uh, everybody, uh, you know, including myself, uh, w- was on their feet for. Um, I oh, thought yeah. this was definitely match of the night, uh, match of the year contender. And I know that we say that every time we see Keith Lee <laughs> and Dijakovic in the ring, but you add Roderick Strong into the mix, and this is definitely match of the year contender. But um, give us your thoughts on this outstanding match. It, it just oh. had everything, didn't it? It had absolutely everything. Yeah. Winning formula with those three. Um, obviously, like you said, with Keith and Dijakovic, they had just just wow matches just wow and then you add in Roddy who's just so good Roddy is just so good and he was if there was a missing piece of those matches I guess was Roddy Strong um but just every spot this match like what I love in, in a wrestling match is I like spots to build and build and build and then the finish should be your ultimate you know, spot. And this match just built and built and built and built and built. And then Roddy just kind of sneaking in to get the win at the end. I love, I mean, I'm a sucker for that. I love someone just coming in at the end and kind of like stealing the win, if you will. I was um, not expecting just, that at all. I was not expecting that. I, I just, it just was a, what a, wow. I, I, we do, we do throw the words match of the year out a lot, Oh yeah. but that is one that I'll watch again and again and again. Those are the kind of matches I'll show people that don't necessarily watch wrestling and go, this is why I watch wrestling. And they go, okay, I understand. Even if they don't like it, they go, I understand. Because it's yeah. just like, that is just a masterpiece. That's that's the art of wrestling coming out. And I think the tri- I think a triple threat match in general is the best number for a wrestling match. I just think it's the perfect number. Three is the perfect for that. So I love a good triple threat. So I was already hyped for it. And you look at the people involved. So, I mean... Oh yeah, I just, just love it. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that final match was was outstanding, and we didn't get any shenanigans. There was no runnings. It was just left to the three of them to to battle it out and battle it out. Which I was surprised did. with. I think yeah. we're going to get the undisputed era come out and help Roddy, um, but mm. it was just just a straight up wrestling match. Mm, however, however. Uh, NXT didn't end there. I was kind of looking at the oh, clock no. and thinking, they've got another five minutes to go. What's going to happen here? And uh, after the match, we see NXT Tag Team Champions uh, Fish and O'Reilly, along with NXT Champion Adam Cole, baby, uh, come down. Uh, they lay in a bit of a beating onto Keith Lee, who's had a hell of a match. Uh, and now being beaten down by the Undisputed Era. Uh, that was until we get the entrance music of Tommaso Ciampa, shortly followed thereafter by Johnny Gargano, giving us a brief stare down between Ciampa and Gargano, as promised last week. Um, there was a huge fans' uh, cries of uh, DIY, DIY from the fans in the audience. Uh, that was until we get the music of Finn Balor, of course, uh, with, a, with a pop that nearly takes the roof off of the NXT arena. Yeah. So now we have all four members of the Unspirited Era in a face-off with Champa, Gargano and Bala. Uh, they look like they're about to go to battle um, four against three. That was until Bala takes one step forward and delivers an overhead kick, a Pele kick to the head of Johnny Gargano to the shock of the NXT NXT fans. Uh, the fans are beside themselves and Undisputed Era destroys Tommaso Ciampa while Finn Balor slowly exits, exits the ring uh, and drop kicks Gargano through the guard railings. Uh, Balor puts an exclamation point on proceedings by Spike DDT Gargano on the rampway as the show 
goes off the air. So we've seen one hell of a show already. We've seen some fantastic wrestling matches, an outstanding main event. What could possibly top it off? Finn Balor turning heel. It was unexpected. It was a really yeah. unexpected holy shit moment. But, uh, you know, I, I kind of ran out of words uh, describing the moment, but I'd love to know uh, what you, you thought of the moment. Yeah, unexpected would be the first word that I think mm. of because I was just like, I did not see that coming. Um, it was just so perfectly done from every the little things. Like, I watch wrestling for the little things because, well, you probably do as well because we watch so much of wrestling. So it kind of... It takes a lot for me to be like, oh my God, that was just awesome. The moment that Finn stepped forward and he slowly started to take off his jacket and let go and did the overhead kick, I was like, I was just, I was like, what just happened? Like, I was like, <laughs> what's going on here? Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Because you're just so taken back by it. It takes a little bit to get me sometimes because we're all, you know, we all know everything. All, all of us wrestling fans were in the know oh, yeah. of everything. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know that. I was like, that was not something I was, I was expecting Finn to come into NXT to be the kind of face of NXT, to be the baby face of NXT and, and you know, be the one flying the banner. But now this just my mind has gone so many places from this because the obvious one is, oh my God, Finn Balor versus Johnny Gargano is going to be something special. Finn Balor is something that, I have never really seen, which is a bad... I've never seen Finn as a bad guy. He's just Smiley Finn, you know? Smiley Finn that takes his jacket off and shows his abs to everybody. That's what I see as Finn. I mean, Finn's great, but this is like Finn, and I'm just really excited for everything. And that that turn just was brutal. The the draping DDT stuff on the ramp and the, the drop kick, and it was just really well done. Mm, yeah, of course. I mean, wrestling fans who saw Finn Balor or uh, Fergal Devitt, Prince Devitt uh, yeah. in New Japan, yeah. remember him as a heel because, of course, uh, uh, it was Finn Balor who uh, kind of initiated, was the uh, original uh, leader of the Bullet Club uh, going back yeah. several years. But uh, you're quite right in, in NXT and WWE. We've only ever seen him as a, as a baby face. Um, yeah. So uh, it's been a long time in coming. And uh, I think it's, a, it's a, a much needed heel turn, to be honest. Oh. Oh, I yeah. think his character was getting quite stale. He wasn't really being used very well as a babyface on the on the main roster, shall we say, on Raw or SmackDown. He just despite... became, became furniture. Like yeah. he was just kind of there. I was happy to see him, and I was, you know, fins on my screen. I'm I'm cool with it. But he was just kind of there. He wasn't really making any impact. And this, I mean. Now he's yeah. got everyone talking I mean, about he, Even when he was uh, Intercontinental Champion on whichever brand he was wrestling on, you kind of forgot that he was champion half the time. Yeah. You know, he, they didn't really kind of, uh, you know, utilize him to, to the best. Um, he was definitely his best at his best when he was in NXT. He's the, the longest reigning oh, NXT yeah. champion. And now he's back and uh, a different side to Finn Balor. Um, like you say, I think uh, when they do eventually play out his match with Johnny Gargano, which will probably take place oh. at TakeOver War Games, I think that, uh, wow, we keep saying match of the year, but that one has got it written I all mean, over it, to be honest with you. That one's got it written all over good. it. <laughs> That's oh, the Viva yeah. Series weekend, isn't it? Oh, uh, yes, yes. Month, yeah. uh, 24th and 25th of November, I believe. Yeah. Um, I, that, yeah. That's my understanding. So, yeah, uh, a lot to look forward to. So a couple of questions before we let you go then, Josh. So what would you say was your, your kind of match of the week, certainly between AEW and NXT? What would you say was your, your best or your favorite match out of the ones we've so, spoken about? Definitely the triple threat on NXT. I think it's pretty hot. I, I know some people might say, like, uh, one of the tag matches maybe on um AEW, but it was there was really no something close to me for the triple threat. That was just a, 
a fantastic match. Yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, a slightly controversial question, but so what would you say was your, your favourite show out of uh, NXT and AW? And the reason why I ask is obviously they're involved in this bitter Wednesday night wrestling war and the ratings war, and there's a lot of competition between AEW fans and NXT fans, quote unquote. <laughs> um, but uh, what, what would you say was, was the better show all round this week, in your opinion? I think NXT was. I'm probably coming across as a little bit biased, but uh, I think NXT really was. And I think just NXT just, okay, yes, NXT are, are different from WWE, but they're still under the WWE banner and WWE have been doing television for a long time. Mm. So they know what they're doing. I know some people would debate that with some of the shows they put out now, um, but they do know what they're doing. And when Triple H and whoever the powers that be are involved in NXT, I just think it was just the ending and the, the beginning, it just all built and it just was very, it flowed very well. Not to say that AEW was a bad show. It wasn't at all. I just think NXT was better this week. Yeah, I have to agree. And, and uh, you know, just to kind of um, be, be honest with my colours, I thought AEW had the better show last week. Um, yeah. And uh, I felt that they presented better matches and better storylines, better angles. This week, I have to hand it to NXT. I think that uh, from that opening encounter between Bianca Belair and Rhea Ripley, you know, through to uh, the main events, Keith Lee, Dijakovic and Roddy Strong, which was awesome, through to that uh, closing segment, that closing angle. Yeah, that here. put it over the top yeah. for me. <laughs> and, and, and let's not forget Undisputed Era attacking Tommaso Ciampa. So that could be another match set for uh, War Games uh, with Adam Cole possibly putting his uh, bounce up on the line uh, uh, Goldie against uh, Tommaso Ciampa. So uh, Daddy's Which home. Uh, that, that could be an, another big match to look forward to. And we know that those two can definitely deliver in the ring. So, I mean, War Games, although we're talking another month away, is already uh, starting to look pretty tasty. I'll be here before you know it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Um, so, Josh, before we say goodbye, uh, where can my listeners kind of find you on social media, out there in the podcast world? Uh, if they want to get in touch with you, uh, what do my listeners have to do to say hi? Um, you follow me on Twitter. That's the easiest place to get me, at Josh Robinson double zero. Um, you'll find all my links there. You need to find anywhere you get podcasts, you'll get wrestling reverb and the josh robinson show um all the links are on my twitter if you want to go to my youtube and watch it as a video cast or just listen to audio you'll get it wherever you need to um please i'm 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 nice enough on twitter i'm not one of those complete jerk offs on twitter that will uh, just debate I, i'll have a nice argument with you sometimes but i'm pretty nice on twitter so tweet me i'll i'll interact with everybody i, I love talking to people I, uh... <laughs> superb super well josh i want to thank you so much for coming on the wrestling with Jonas podcast today we, we've spoken uh, a, a lot of wrestling uh, but it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on board so uh, thank you very much sir no problem Thank you for yeah, having there we me. Go. No, that's fine. So uh, just want to remind my listeners that next week uh, we, we continue our another weekly show. Uh, we'll drop next Saturday. And uh, brace yourself because I'll actually have a, a special guest host uh, by the name of John Scott. Yes, it will be John Scott with John Scott. And John Scott is also a podcaster and he podcasts for the WrestleLine podcast and WrestleLine TV channel. So that will be quite a, a, a bizarre interaction between two John Scotts who only came uh, upon one another a few weeks ago. And um, he said, hey, you're a podcaster too. And my name is John Scott. It's like, wow. It was like uh, going into a different dimension where there's all these John Scotts. But uh, you'll uh, be listening to John Scott, uh, speaking to John Scott next week on Wrestling with Jonas. Now, the week after... 
so two episodes time is where we celebrate our uh, first year anniversary our first birthday of the wrestling Madonna's podcast and it'll be episode uh, 77 so to uh, crank out 77 episodes in one year is a big achievement and i'm very much looking forward to uh, speaking to kurt johansson um who uh, formerly of uh, wrestle talk uh, podcast and uh, now i believe he's part of the uh, the, the ringsider crew and they're going to be launching their new podcast very very soon so we'll have kurt johansson and a longtime friend of the podcast david anderson back on the podcast so it'll be a three man booth uh, to talk everything NXT and AEW that week as well as our special um, Ask Jonna's uh, Q&A special so if you have any questions for me or for David or for Kurt or about wrestling in general about the podcast then please drop us a line on any of our social media links on Facebook. You can uh, message us or uh, slide into my DMs on Twitter if you fancy, or drop us an email at uh, wrestlingwithjohnners at gmail.com. So we look forward to those two episodes very soon. But uh, uh, please keep it tuned for the Wrestling With Jonas podcast for all of your weekly NXT and NXT AEW uh, updates, including WWE and AEW pay-per-view shows, uh, and so much more, of course. And if you enjoyed listening to this podcast, please don't forget to spread the word, tell your friends and tell your family, and don't forget to subscribe to the Wrestling with Jonas podcast so that you don't miss out on a single episode. So from myself and from Josh, uh, Josh, we will speak to you all again soon. Have a great weekend. Catch up with you all soon. And uh, yeah, have a great weekend. Thanks for listening.